This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi-Williams. The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barnes. I'm Evan Novi-Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. On this week's show, we have NFL player of the Los Angeles Rams. And the Detroit Lions. He used to be there. in Dhamakan Man, you'll take any link to Detroit. You doggone right. But first, let's get to our topics of the day. Uh, let's start uh, NBA and Alibaba. Yeah, no surprise here that the NBA is uh, pretty popular in Asia, and they are courting this world is flat, right? The, the numbers for TV viewership are going down, but the NBA engages on social media like no other sports league. They have access now in Alibaba, and it's going to be some original content, but across all platforms, access to Ready for the number? And it's not the number of the week, but 700 million people across Alibaba platforms is the potential. You can see an ability in a, in a league that is uh, for, in the forefront of microtransactions. Do the math. Dollar a week, $2 a week, dollar for a fourth quarter, whatever it may be. Do the math bar. Yeah, the, the, this increases the NBA's presence over there. Uh, let's not forget that they're still in the middle of a five-year, $700 million deal, I think, uh, with Tencent, another massive media property uh, overseas in China. Uh, but again, as you said, Scott, you know the, the, the NBA has been, of, of the major U.S. leagues, I think maybe the, the smartest in terms of dicing up its, its media presence, finding new and innovative ways beyond just live games and live highlights to, to, to get their stuff to fans. And this is just another piece of that, uh, the tip and of the spear. more importantly, they've been in China for decades. So you can't just show up. Yeah, you can't just show up and do business yeah. in China. They they have some institutional knowledge. Let's move on to Major League Baseball. Keeping it tight. Oh my! Moving into 2019, we're talking about gambling data. There's going to be changes to the uniform lineup, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's 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 a conversation we've had in the past before, but the baseball announced a few changes that I think most fans won't care about, but there are a few out there who will. Um, Starting this year, lineups will no longer be disseminated by clubs first. They won't be posted originally in the in the bullpen or in, in, in the locker room for, for beat writers to tweet out. Lineups and umpire assignments are going to be delivered first, 15 minutes before they're released, to the central office, Major League Baseball central office. And why that matters is that those are two things that gamblers yes. love to know. Big yes. strike zone, small strike zone, exactly. history of an umpire, absolutely. Yeah, so they know who these umpires are and how, you know, who's behind the plate is going to affect the game. Uh, also, obviously, whether, you know, who's starting at third base, who's, who's, who's starting at catcher, things like that are also tremendously important. Major League Baseball is trying to find ways to monetize or to make more money off of, off of this gambling. And one of the ways they're trying to do that is to make their data as valuable as possible and they are starting to curtail or rein in a lot of these other you know outside ways in which gamblers get information trying to make sure that that that, that there are you know both gamblers and more importantly uh gambling operators have to pay the league office for the right to get that data but see also is that if your fantasy sports players like i am you want to know the lineup from the fact that well give me that give me the batting order 
because I want to know what's happening. If you who's going one through four? Because one through four or one through five, five, you don't care about five, six, seven, eight. (laughs) You know what? Now you're laughing, but about six through nine, I'd rather shy away from that than go to one to four. All right, that should be in the lineup. I mean, this is not a surprise. You can see why they're doing it. Yeah, and it also limits the inside information, like the the edge that people may have. Or makes the inside information more valuable. Both true. Let's talk about college basketball, and it's the big scandal, and now there is prison time involved for some people. Yeah, but wasn't this supposed to, like, rock college basketball, right? This this scandal was supposed to. <laughs> I remember when it happened, I remember even people inside the building here were freaking out. It's supposed to rock college basketball. You know what it did? It got Rick Pitino to Greece. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that yeah. in essence, I mean, right now, who knows what's I don't know what's coming, but right now, the sum of it all, yeah, I understand that, you know, these players in the college basketball scene are going to jail and i don't mean to minimize that but the institution itself rick patino's in greece u.s district judge uh lewis kaplan when he made the gave down the sentences earlier this week said you know he wants to send quote a great big warning light to the basketball world uh kind of along those lines scott i i'm not sure this has really changed all that much uh, the news this week, uh, Jim Gatto, the, the former Adidas executive, uh, nine-month sentence, and then Christian Dawkins and Merle Code, one of whom was an Adidas consultant, but both of which were kind of in this nebulous college basketball middleman-type world. Uh, they, they were both given six months. Uh, they're appealing those sentences. Uh, but yes, the, the big question is, is college basketball any different sitting here today in March 2019 than it was you know, two years ago in March 2017, long before the the FBI, you know, stood out on the, the front steps of the courthouse and, and announced that they had, you know, completed a three-year investigation into into bribery in college basketball. I'm not entirely sure An that increase it is. in burner phone usage. That's what that's, <laughs> that's what I see. And, and another thing to think about here: the, the the way that a lot of these changes are really going to take root is at the at the youth basketball level, right? The NCAA is trying, uh, and take that with a grain of salt, um, trying hard to you know limit the the influence that companies like Adidas, like Nike, like Under Armour have at the youth basketball level. And if that happens, maybe some of this gets cleaned up. But I, I think a lot of the level-headed people look at this and say we're, we're putting the wrong people we're holding the wrong people responsible uh, by, by, by the way for the this, has, this is totally basketball. totally off topic but still because we're talking about sneaker and apparel and all that right. did you see zion williamson wearing an adidas i did yeah yeah it, 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 did it, you it, like that? you see the three stripes up and down everywhere oh man so, i i hope nobody told him to do it i hope he did that on his own and, and showed like the sophistication of the sports business world it was like you know Shooting into the Nike tour. Let, let me let me throw a little little uh, three stripes out there. His negotiation is going to be nice. <laughs> be fun. Okay, now let's get to this week's interview with NFL player with the Los Angeles Rams and Damakon Sue. Now I'm a native Detroiter, and we all know that. A huge fan. He played for the Detroit Lions, and he was drafted as their second overall pick in the 2010 NFL Draft. Multi-time Pro Bowl selection, but Michael, you know he's done so much off the field as well, from restaurants, real estate tech, investments. We'll talk about it all. Uh, but Nandamakan, you know, there are busy athletes out there and there are really busy athletes and you're the latter. So thank you very much for taking time out of the schedule to chat with us. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. So I uh, I mentioned to a buddy of mine yesterday that, that, that we were going to have you on the show and his response was, oh, I love him. I know he's a good businessman. I saw it on Ballers. Uh, can you uh, can you educate my buddy uh, about the truth? How realistic that show is versus what what your actual life is like? 
Yeah, Ballers is uh, definitely not realistic. Uh, a lot of fun, <laughs> a lot of excitement uh, that I had being able to do a cameo on there and spend time with The Rock and whatnot uh, and a great supporting cast, to say the least. But uh, in my true life, that is uh, outside of being a, doing a cameo, it's a very small blip of who I am. And there were there were some threads of truth in there, right? I believe your character uh, is interested in in a restaurant on the show, right? I know you are active in the restaurant business uh, in, in real life. Uh, give us a sense right now. You're what, six weeks removed from the Super Bowl. I'm sure you're working hard physically as well. What is your life like right now as you balance working out and your and your football career versus all the other kind of off field interests that you have? Yeah, speaking about that small blip, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in restaurants and actually have a handful of them that I'm a, a partner in and participate in. Uh, probably the most notable one is in downtown in the city of Detroit. Uh, yeah. A place called Park, <laughs> Park that I, I actually love. And, uh, and, and right out in front of actually Dan Gilbert's great establishment of, uh, of Quicken Loans. So um, love the restaurant business. Uh, I know a lot of athletes and people have said in the past, you got to be careful, but I truly believe if, you, if you're under, if you're very educated and know how to read a PNL as well as uh, have great partners, you'll be fine. I have to tell you, you're talking to a native Detroiter who uh, is a diehard Detroit Lions fan. We need you back, man. <laughs> we, we we loved you back in Detroit. So yeah, I and I get it. And you know what, Detroit is. Uh, you talk about your business in Detroit. Uh, Detroit mm-hmm. is, is on the on the move upward. And and a lot of that, like you said, is with Dan Gilbert, and and right in that section in the you know the Washington uh, the square area and all all in that in that Cadillac Square yeah, area. Uh, yeah, uh, Cadillac Square and uh, Campus Martius, uh, all of those above, up and down Woodward. Uh, a close friend, and as I mentioned before, Dan Gilbert has, has done a tremendous job to jumpstart that city and get it back to its feet. Uh, and I was lucky enough to, to be in the, the process of that in 2010 when I first got there as a rookie playing for the Lions, and uh, it was exciting. And I was very blessed to be able to be in his offices, check out all the cool things that they're doing, all the amazing companies outside of Quicken Loan that he controls and has people uh, continue to innovate and, and make that city come alive again. So uh, I'm ex- I, I've been excited and elated to be a part of that and continue to do that even though – uh, I unfortunately don't play there anymore, uh, but I spend time there in the off season all the time. I've got great mentors in addition to Dan uh, that uh, I get to spend time with and, and go see projects that I'm working on uh, consistently. And you're in an area in just uh, the, the Trade Red Wings recently set up shop in that area also. So you have the Tigers there. Of course, you have the Lions there. You've got the Red Wings there. And my goodness, I mean, that if for a, a sports complex, I, Detroit is booming there. And I'm wondering if many other cities will use that as the model. Yeah, I think it would be smart for them to do uh, that as a model. And I think that Detroit's done an amazing job between uh, the Ford family, the Illich family, who have both the hockey uh, uh, as well as uh, the Tigers there and then obviously now the Pistons have moved down from uh, from Auburn Hills, right. which has been great. And, and you got all sports, sports, major sports teams down there, uh, which is a huge thing. And I think it's going to continue to grow the city. Uh, Midtown is blowing up. Uh, I love to see how they're doing a bunch of different stuff, as well as uh, Shinola. I'm sure a lot of people know of is, has been a bit, big part of that uh, in the business community. Uh, and then you have the DMC 
and, and the great hospitals all around there. So it's, it's an exciting time to be in Detroit, and it has been over the last uh, five to ten years to just see it continue to grow. We are chatting with Indomitian Sue of the L.A. Rams, and let me ask you this. You mentioned some owners. The relationship between owners and players sometimes is seen as strain, unions as well as management. However, there is a lot to be learned from each side. Grant Hill used to tell me when he was playing, when he was in a visiting city, he would like to meet with the other team's owner to see about their core business, establish a relationship, knowing that basketball wasn't always going to be his profession. Sounds like you're taking a similar tact. Uh, I, that's actually a, an amazing idea, and I've never, I've never really thought of that. Usually, because I'm when I'm traveling to a city, uh, I'm laser focused in attacking that that particular owner's team, uh, but <laughs> and devaluing that, that, his that, asset. <laughs> that's that's super creative, uh, and I'm, I may have to uh, add that to, to my repertoire. But uh, but no, I, I've been super blessed, as I said before. Uh, there's a lot of great owners and people that I've met, so I know the Illiches. Uh, more specifically, Denise is a is a great woman uh, of the Illich family, and then, like I said, Dan, uh, Mr. Ross is a part of uh, of the Detroit family, even though he's in New York and in uh, in uh, down in Miami. Obviously, being the Miami Dolphins owner, so uh, it's been super great to be able to connect with those owners and, and build relationships with them. Uh, so, when every time I need something or, or want to just pick their brains, they're super open and, and have direct lines of communication to them. So, Grant Hill's tremendously smart and, and, and accurate about being able to have their knowledge because they didn't get successful by their sports teams. They were successful before they bought their sports teams in most cases. Uh, so, they've built companies, built businesses that you can learn great things from. Uh, and then be able to translate in, that into sports as uh, there's a common thread between business and sports uh, in running them. And, uh, and there's a lot of things for us as athletes can, uh, that, uh, lessons that we can learn. Don't you think the common thread right now is sports is business? I mean, they're not even separate entities. It's an entertainment business. But I'm always fascinated yeah. by the, the rich folks who choose not to participate in sports. You hear so much about asset appreciation, the valuation of teams, the high profile. Mike Bloomberg is one. He, he has not... Uh, dipped his toe into professional sports. And one of your mentors, Warren Buffett, also has not been interested yeah. in pro sports other than a fan. Has he ever told you mm-hmm. why he's chosen not to? I mean, minor league baseball, yes. But I'm talking big-time pro sports. Why has he stayed away? Uh, I'm not positive. We've uh, actually never touched on that topic, uh, on on the ability of why he hasn't uh, usually focused on primarily owning a sports team. Obviously, I'm sure if he wanted to, he could. Uh, and what has all the the, the opportunities too, but uh, I think his his ethos and, and focus to do it is, uh, is 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 primarily on long lasting things that people want to focus on. I'm not saying sports will go anywhere, but there's obviously a fluctuation of things that take place uh, and maybe a little bit more volatility through those pieces. Uh, but I would say uh, it, it depends on the the person and, and their actual true passions of, of wanting to be into, into the sports business or not. But I think there's a lot of creative things that you can use sports teams for. Uh, as I've seen uh, being in L.A., how the Dodgers have an incubator and have been uh, very forward-thinking uh, about how they look at being able to not only own the team but be able to build things in other companies around their sports team uh, that not only use them as a, as a, a leverage tool but also being able to use those uh, particular mechanisms and those uh, incubators and things that they've incubated to better their team. So I think it's a give and take, and uh, there's a lot of things that you can Uh, use to grow uh, when you have an opportunity to own a, a sports franchise.
I'm assuming that you connected with with Warren Buffett through Nebraska. You you obviously played at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. Uh, what are your mm-hmm. how, how often do you guys talk, and what are those conversations like? Are, are there specific things you're trying to kind of get from from, from his obviously uh, successful history? Yeah, we've we've been able to be friends for a long period of time. Uh, actually, right after I going on by eight, nine years now. Uh, and we met the first time when I was leaving college. It was actually my senior year uh, in December. He was an honorary captain. And I met him for the first time and then uh, followed up a, a little bit about six months later uh, and got a chance to be connected with him by uh, Coach Osborne. And it's been a, a great situation. We spoke for the first time for three about two, three hours and, and hit it off and have stayed connected ever since. And he supported me. And I've gone to, uh, to his, obviously his great shareholders meeting uh, in lovely Omaha. But uh, being able to connect with him pretty much at any point in time, uh, just email or phone call, uh, all you got to do is pick up the phone. And he's, he's always there to answer. And it's a great situation to have. And we've, I've learned a handful of things from him and, and continue to do so. Uh, and it, it's been a great blessing. And, and, and things that I, I enjoy from him is just his overall view and focus on uh, steady things that, that are going to continue to grow in consumer products and things of that nature uh, that he sees that people always want. And I think that's important uh, and, and so when you're creating self-preservation, as most athletes need to do uh, with their funds and creating cash flow and whatnot. We're chatting with Indomitian Sue of the L.A. Rams. Are you a Berkshire Hathaway shareholder, or did you just go to the meeting? I am. You are? How much do you, how much do you <laughs> I own? Am a, I am a, I'm going to keep that private, uh, but I've got I've got plenty of shares for sure. <laughs> All up in the man's business. <laughs> you know what they say in journalism school in Dominican? There is no question you should not ask. You can say I no, choose no. not to answer. <laughs> very, very good. No, there's no problem you ask. It doesn't mean you're going to get the answer. You want. <laughs> that, that's what my wife tells me. <laughs> I would like to ask you something, though, about something you said a year ago, and it involves athletes who get huge contracts. It was in the Business Insider. And you said yep. that the contract should really be split because of taxes and fees. And when, when I saw that, I'm like, you know what, that's a good idea. Can you explain more about that? Yeah. Uh, and the reason why I said that, uh, just to reiterate, reiterate your question about saying, uh, you see great deals that players get. So if you look at Aaron Donald, my uh, great teammate this past year, uh, signed an amazing deal and very happy for him. But when you actually look at it and you have an agent who's getting 2 to 3%, not knowing what his situation is, but on average that's usually what guys are giving up uh, or for help, helping to get great deals like that. And then in addition to we live in California, which is a, a huge tax state uh, with regard to what they take out of our uh, W-2s, uh, which is about 13%. And then you have our federal income state tax, which is – Another 47, per, uh, 37%, uh, I believe, was just the changes that recently ha- happened in tax reform. Uh, that's 50% right there. Uh, and so when you look at those things and you look at your pay stubs, uh, that money that you see is, is, is usually cut in half. And uh, so people see these amazing numbers, uh, which is obviously we're very, very blessed to be in those positions and be able to get that. But uh, it's truthfully cut in half based on taxes and how things work in, uh, in the world. So for you last year, LA Rams, I believe a one-year, fourteen million dollar deal. Of that, you know, top mm-hmm. line number fourteen million. Kind of how much of that actually makes it into 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 your pocket to actually to, to do with what you want? 
because that's a public number and uh, you said it exactly 14 million, but yeah, net to me is usually around seven or eight. Um, and so uh, being able to be have great CPAs uh, and, and be able to have the opportunity to understand that I got that over the course of the year. And as I mentioned, W-2s, uh, I, I was able to use other cities. So we play Seattle, which is a great state to, to get taxed out of because they have no income state tax, uh, and then be able to use Arizona, who's about 4%. Uh, who else did we play this year that was on the road? Um, I love it. You're going to ask the NFL, can you make our schedule to include only low-tax states? Now that yeah, is sports business Go right Go there. play in Vegas, man, because no that seems like that's going to work. <laughs> Yeah, Miami was great to me, to be honest with you, because there was no income course, tax no, sta- there. no state income tax in Florida, Texas? Texas, Tennessee. Uh, it would be uh, Washington State, which is Seattle. Uh, and then uh, you got the Oakland Raiders going to Nevada. So Nevada is going to be a great uh, state. Uh, and I believe there is one more uh, for – do we say Tennessee already? Yes, yes. Did, did you take this yeah. into account when you established your principal residence? I did. And where, where is a, that? Uh, where was your where do you where is your principal residence? My principal residence is Texas. So okay. I have a house there and uh there's a handful of things that I take a bunch of visits and I got family down there. Uh and so yeah, uh it's a it's a great state. I've always been out of Texas except for when I was living in Florida. And as you think about what team might be next for you if it's not the Rams, how much do you kind of weigh all these things, right? Who's in the division that I'm definitely going to be playing from a tax perspective? What's the, what's the tax like in the home state? Is that something that kind of enters the calculus at all? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's always been a calculation ever since I became a free agent in, in 2014, uh, 2015, and something I considered. Uh, but I think uh, as we as I get into football and, and being a little bit of an elder's man, uh, some of those things get thrown out a little bit because, uh, as Mr. Warren Buffett has always said, uh, there's intrinsic value in certain cities. So even though L.A. and, and the state of California is very uh, high in taxes, there's a lot of intrinsic value uh, in that particular state that I've enjoyed and been able to uh, to lean on. So from mentors to great opportunities to connect with people, as I mentioned, uh, the Dodgers being able to meet with that ownership group and, and, and folks from there, as well as LAFC uh, and that ownership group, uh, which is a soccer team. I'm a huge soccer fan. So uh, being able to just connect with people like that and other businessmen uh, is is some of that intrinsic value that I say I'll take a hit in taxes to be able to have an opportunity to be close to those people. Are we talking about Mark Walter and Guggenheim or Magic Johnson? Because obviously Magic, one of those guys who came before, who clearly has established himself post-career in the business world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're adding your question is about who I've connected to at, at the yeah, Dodgers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and even now, by the way, I would think that LeBron James, the Bus family, these are all folks who add intrinsic value to anything you're doing. Oh, yeah, no question. Yeah, there's great people. And I, I've been able to meet with Magic uh, as well as just some great uh, people uh, by the name of a guy named Peter Goober, who's an amazing guy. He was a guest uh, on the show. And, yeah, we had Peter on the yeah. show. not to, But, Peter, I, I'm, I'm curious, do you take part of his philosophy where so much with Peter is sort of about the, the mind and the centeredness and the experience? It's, it's, for him, it's not so much cold, hard numbers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, because uh, I think that's what goes into being successful, especially as a team owner, is having great experiences and being able to people to have amazing and, uh, enjoyment and be able to present yourself. And, and he's been in the uh, the film business 
uh, for a, a long period of time and had a lot of success. And we've had some amazing conversations at his home uh, in L.A. and I, I, that I've truly cherished and I think have been great helping hands for, for my success in this past year. We were very lucky enough to have Shaquille O'Neal uh, in studio. And one of the things he said about investing is that in the best advice he got, was invest in something that's going to be life-changing. So when he invested mm-hmm. in Google, that turned out to be a home run for him, forgive the you know, the sports yeah. uh, pun. But, but do you agree with that? Yeah, there, I think there's no question in, in, in investing in things that uh, you believe will be life-changing, not only for yourself, but also for others. And I think that's why I've, I've been able to invest in some great uh, companies, and, and one probably most notably in L.A. Uh, that's below the radar, a company called This Bar, this bar Saves Lives. And really where that, uh, I think, is life-changing is the, uh, the ability for them to, one, affect kids in a positive way, uh, with regard to malnutrition, because the bars that they sell, uh, they uh, actually turn around, and a percentage of that goes back to malnutrition in, uh, in third-world countries between Africa and the islands down down south uh, of, of Miami and, and Florida. And it, it's been in the Caribbean. And it's been great to be a part of that and do some cool things with them, especially around the NFL when we have our, our gift back opportunities uh with our um our shoes that we were able to do from from a charity perspective uh and get publicity to that so uh i think without question Shaq is 100 percent right about being able to uh do things that change uh change lives i feel like art we're 15 minutes in we've already mentioned five or six different industries uh you're you're a board member at ballantine strong i believe the youngest board member uh, at that publicly traded company how many different you know, in, investments, restaurants, real estate, things are you in? Give, give us a sense of just the scale of how many different projects that, that you're working on in addition to, to your football career. Yeah, time is time is of the essence. And then I think uh, time management is very, very important. And I've been very lucky uh, to have uh, great people to work with. But I've got a lot on my plate, which I enjoy. And I think one of the greatest things about it, what it does is keep me very sharp. Um, and so I'd probably say I work with probably about – five to ten companies uh, on a consistent basis, uh, and I actually just uh, am getting ready to sign up with another company that's changing the world in corporate catering, and uh, it's a big space where I think there's a lot of people that are going to be able to continue to grow and help chefs get uh, more flexibility and, and awareness of being able to bring great food in as we talk about doing things to change people and, and health in uh, eating well. I think that's going to be a, a big piece, but uh, with regards to keeping me sharp, I, I think being able to take phone calls and, and, and have meetings and on my off days uh, and things of that nature, it keeps me very sharp when I'm, I'm in season and focused on football. And I, I got my plan out of how I'm going to study for football, but then also have conference calls and being able to follow up and connect dots with my companies that I'm working with. Obviously, you're never going to bat a thousand, you know, to, to mix sport metaphors. Uh, have there been investments you've made or, or, or business decisions you've made that, you know, you regret or, or just don't don't pan out in the way that you think they Yeah, have? what's been the biggest mistake, we ask? Yeah, the, I'd probably say the biggest mistake that I had uh, was a, a company that was before its time. Uh, and, and really, I enjoyed it uh, because it was a big learning experience for me. And I think it broke down primarily when I look back on it now. Uh, just from a perspective of not having the right leadership team. And uh, like I said before, it was before its time, but it was very similar to a concept of un- uninterrupted. 
Uh, and it was just way too early for what it was. And Uninterrupted actually took, took over the space and, and has been very successful with it. But it was around athletes being able to get, have their voices and, and show what they're, they're doing around their, uh, their lives and, and be able to have unfiltered, unbiased communication to the outside world. What was it called? Uh, I'm drawing actually a blank on the name of it right <laughs> okay. now. Such a long Remember time. the lesson, forget uh, the name. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. for those who don't know Uninterrupted, that's LeBron James's media platform. And I want to close with this, Dominic, because I'm fascinated with the Warren Buffett. Uh, I'm always fascinated by just the relationship and what you take out of it. So mm-hmm. I want to see how close it is. Recently, uh, Berkshire lost about $4 billion in one day on Kraft Heinz. Is, do you yeah. uh, you know pick up the phone or send that email over to Warren and say, hey, what's up, buddy? You know, I, I'm in on this with you. <laughs> no, there's there's definitely things that 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 I've uh, followed in footsteps, but not not directly because of his instructions or anything of that nature. Uh, but if you truly look at it, and, and a lot of his loss uh, that you've seen is probably because of the Apple piece and uh, his and how much he owns of of that company. Uh, but it's just more so because it just taking a small hit, and but talking about that intrinsic value and being able to say, all right, this company's still doing a, a great, amazing job. And we understand sometimes in the markets, things get swayed because of what people say and companies. Uh, I know Apple made a decision not to uh, to release the number of iPhones that they're selling and things of that nature. So that affects the stock, but that doesn't take the, the great value that that company has and their, 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 their ability to be very successful in the future. And if you ever look at the markets and being able to, to see the ability of how it's always moving up and to the right, uh, but there's always going to be dips and corrections, which is which is healthy and what's needed in this world. All right. Well, Dominic and Sue, Principal Residence, Texas, speaking with three morons living in high-tax states, <laughs> we, we, we thank you very much for the time. Oh, man. And, no, no. I am, I, again, I'm grateful. I'm a big fan of yours, man, and thank you for talking with us. No, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you guys. Takeaways. And I am so proud of Indomicon Sioux and his investment in the city of Detroit. Detroit is on the rebound because of people like this who are investing in my hometown, the Motor City. I love the, you know, the dumb jock stereotype. I want those folks to hang out with Indomicon right. Sioux. Let me put brain for brain up against those who throw that label out there and having been in many, many locker rooms and clubhouses over 20 plus years doing this. There are a lot of very bright athletes. It's it's a stereotype. I don't know why it still exists. Uh, the the big profile mess ups and screw ups get so much attention that 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 attaches to all. But this is the kind of guy who is more pervasive around pro sports these days than not. The Warren Buffett part, friendship to me encapsulates all of that, right? Warren Buffett was an honorary captain at a, at a Cornhuskers game when Indomitian was a senior. There's, what, 120 guys on that team? Uh, and I, I would venture to guess that the only one who is still friendly with him uh, is Indomitian Sue, right? He, he sought out, he understood who Warren Buffett was, how tremendous a relationship, uh, how fruitful that could be if he started one. And yeah, over time has continued to grow it. He owns shares in Berkshire Hathaway. Plenty he's, of shares. He's at the, the annual meetings uh, in Omaha. Uh, and, and yeah, as he said, you know, that friendship has opened up the door for other things. He's, he's talking in LA with Peter Guber and Magic Johnson, right? He, he's done a tremendous job of, of finding the people around him uh, who can be influential in his life. And it's clearly been successful for him.
My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. This one is a grim one. Did I, when, did I send this one to you? Uh, yep. And, and I still don't remember this, what it was. I don't know what stories it is. On this. 21. This is grim. 21. Oh, okay. Now I remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let you guess. Number, it's not the number uh, of regional sports networks outside the Yes Network. No. A, how many more losses that LeBron James has in his career than Michael Jordan? Uh, I don't know. No. What if I said racehorse? Uh, the amount of horses that have been killed on the track at the Kentucky Derby. Oh, no. Santa Anita. Santa Anita. Uh, 21 horses. In two months. In two months. In, in two months. In two, in two months. months. So they've shut down racing. The glue factory. And trying to figure out what's wrong with the turf. Like They think it's okay, but they had a heavy rains. But 21 horses have had to be euthanized since the start of the season. All right, PETA can't be happy about that. No. No, and not at all. You're listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports, and we are here each and every week for you at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast. And you can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Eben Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thank you very much for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.